If you are a first-time guest with us this morning, whether you're in person or online, we're glad that you are with us. You've got that uh, connection card in your seat uh, if you're in person with us this morning, and so you can fill that out. Uh, if you're watching online with us this morning, there should be a link uh, for you to fill out an online connection card. We'd love the opportunity to know that you are with us uh, online. Our online presence just continues to grow and be effective. In fact, we've had several families that started watching online. They came through membership online. They joined a small group online, and then they started attending Springbrook. And so uh, if you're watching with us online this morning, we're glad that you're uh, here as well. Please, if you're in person, fill that. You can drop it in the box on the way back. Also, I just wanted to give you a quick update on our year-end offering. We are about 65% of our $25,000 goal. We've uh, over $16,000 has come in for a year-end. And then uh, last week, I made the announcement that someone has matched our goal. And uh, so we are positioned well to start um, next year. And so I just want to encourage you to be praying with us uh, that God will continue to help us to be effective at reaching our community for Christ and making disciples. And so we are a part of a movement of churches that's taking seriously uh, the Great Commission, the Great Commandment. We're a part of a church that is committed to uh, helping people to learn, explore uh, more about who Christ is. And we're a part of a church planting movement. It's so exciting just to be a part of what God is doing. And we're so grateful for um, the way that you uh, enable us to be effective at ministry. And so if you have any questions about our year-end offering, uh, please uh, visit um, our website. And then I also want to let you know we have uh, 10 people who have jumped in and joined our Slack group for our Encounter 2022 experience. Um, we're going to be kicking that off on January 2nd. It's uh, the New Year's Sunday, and so uh, we're looking forward to being with you. If you happen to miss uh, the 2nd, um, we're actually starting this series on the 9th, and so if you're not able to be with us on the 2nd, please uh, watch. We're going to be giving you some information, some instructions on what the next three weeks look like, as well as what we're really praying that God would do uh, in and through our ministry as we move through uh, this new year that's approaching. Um, we have uh, over uh, just under 1,000 people that are on our weekly email address, and so we our weekly email updates. And so we, we connect with a lot of people at Springbrook. And so many of you are able to come on a routine basis. And so sometimes people are only able to come, you know, maybe once or twice a month. Sometimes, you know, with work schedules, it's less frequently. But we have got a large percentage of people that are connected to our ministry. And so it's my prayer as we move into the new year that we can help everyone that is even remotely connected to our ministry experience more of the power of a life-transforming relationship with Christ. And so that's what Encounter 22 is going to be all about. So if you want to know more information about that, uh, visit our website. We'll be starting uh, January 2nd, and then uh, we'll be kicking that series off on the night. So if you want to know more, if you want to sign up now, uh, please uh, visit uh, our website. You can join our Slack conversation if you're into the uh, quick quotes uh, down there at the bottom. Last week I told you we had uh, 12 days till Christmas, right? Keep calm. Today we got six days. I'm going to just tell you right now, don't worry about it. It's 371 days until the following Christmas. And so it's an, uh, it's an event that uh, many times people just get uh, worked up to. You know, I, I want to encourage you not to think of Christmas as an event. You know, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th anyway. And so uh, you know, most scholars think it was in the spring. And so we get hung up on the date. And sometimes we think about the birthday and, you know, it's fun. I love getting together with our family. But what really makes this holiday special and important is we're celebrating the reality of the birth of a Savior. And so that's what makes this holiday special. It's fun to get together with family. It's fun, but we've got to remember the reason for why we're celebrating. This is uh, my mom and her mom. This is my grandma Miller. And uh, 
they loved Christmas. My grandmother, when I was growing up as a kid, I had such fond memories. My mom's got her Christmas sweater on there. There's my mom with uh, my kids uh, when they were uh, younger as well. So my mom, I'm serious, coined the Christmas sweater. I know my kids were going to an event at school one day, and one of my kids said, hey, I need an ugly sweater. Can I? Well, your sweaters aren't ugly, but can I borrow one of your sweaters? (laughs) My mom loved Christmas. And uh, four years ago, um, she went to, uh, to be with the Lord. She had a form of uh, Lou Gehrig's, and so, but it was slow moving. And so uh, we had a lot of years that we were able to process um, together what she was going through. But my mom, she was a scrapper. And uh, man, she, she was at Walmart on Friday, and she went to be with the Lord on Tuesday. I mean, she just, she was really a, a fighter. And I remember that weekend, that last weekend I was with her. Um, we were spending time together, and I've never, I've never forget what she said to me. She said, she said, I don't think I'm going to make it to next Christmas. What do you think? And I was like, you know, I look back, and we shared memories, and we talked about um, she, had, she had done, she had gotten the most. That woman had gotten the most out of every day that I've ever seen anybody get out of a disease that was life-threatening like that. For years, she worked with that. And we just, we talked about the deterioration. And I thought, you know, I said, you, you, you were, you were at Walmart Friday. (laughs) I said, I said, I really feel like you have honored God with every day that you have. And uh, we got to talking through that. And I shared this verse with her, John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I said, you know, I said to her, I said, I've appreciated how much I've learned about God. We talked about our relationship with Christ. We talked about the Christmas that was coming up. And I said, you know, you're not going to make it to next Christmas, but you are going to be in the presence of God. And that's something to celebrate. And so we talked about this verse, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory of only the son from the father, full of grace and of truth. That's where our hope lies. Our hope lies in the reality that Jesus is just not a, a man or a good person. I mean, he is God in the flesh that has come to earth to establish a relationship with us. And our hope the hope that we have is not based on our circumstances. If it's based on our circumstances, you know, there's, yeah, I don't want to even talk about my week. I know what your week's been like, but our hope is not based on our circumstances. It's not based on our health. It's not based on our jobs. It's not based on politics. It's not based on people, places, or things. Our hope is in Christ and in him alone. And, it's in, and that's where we place our faith in God loves me, and we're glad that we're here, but Jesus loved us enough that he came to the world to save sinners. Jesus, we see him as our heavenly father. We get a glimpse. Jesus says, the father and I are one. And so we got to talk about this verse and we had such great conversations about it. The other verse I shared with her came from 2 Peter 3.18, which says that one day is like a thousand years. I said, so like I number my days, Psalm 90.10. So I've been alive 21,752 days after today. I got 7,448 days left. Psalm 90.10 encourages us to number our days so that we can live with a heart of wisdom. And so I want to live wisely with my remaining days. And so I told my mom, here's the good news. In God years, it's like 0.02 years. It's only seven days. I'm going to be a week behind you. <laughs> you know, we live as people in light of eternity. We live with people that have a hope that transcends our circumstances. And this verse one was really, uh, that we started our series with, was really critical to understanding the foundation of our faith. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And so Jesus is the embodiment of God, but is also God as we celebrate the divine mystery of the Trinity. It's the foundation of our Christian faith. 
And so I want to make four observations about Jesus. We summarized some of these in our sermon, uh, sermons in the past couple of weeks, but it's important as we understand what we're celebrating as we move towards Christmas. And the first observation about Jesus is about his existence. In the beginning was the Word. See, Jesus was not created. He was there from the beginning. He has always existed. The second observation about, is about his identity, his, his relationship to God. The Word was God. You see, Jesus is God in the flesh. Not just a man, not just a prophet, not just a good teacher. He is God dwelling with us. Jesus is God. And the third observation about Jesus is his relationship to God. Because he's God, but he was also with God. And so there's two persons, two natures of who Jesus is. And as we celebrate the Trinity, there's there's different components to understanding. There's one God existing as three persons. And so Jesus is God, but he's also with God as the third person of the Trinity. And the fourth observation about him is his relationship to us. You see, Jesus is our creator. He, everything was created by him, for him, with him, through him. That's Colossians 1.6. And we're going to be starting a series in the next fall. Uh, Pastor Matt and I have been talking about our calendar. We're looking, uh, Tim and I are all getting together and we're looking at our calendar for next year. And we're going to be going through a series for our small groups next fall on Colossians. I love the book of Colossians. It's about the supremacy and the identity of Christ. But all things were created by him, through him, and for him. That's what verse 3 said when we looked at the beginning of this series. Without him... There was nothing made that has been made. I mean, Jesus is our creator. And then we get to verse 14. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And so we're picking up today with verse 14. So if you brought a Bible with you, you can turn with me to the book of John. We're in chapter one and we're finishing up. Uh, with John chapter 1 today. We're looking at the last uh, several verses. We're in verses 14 through 18. So we're going to be picking up with verse 14 that says this, the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory of only the son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and he cried out, this is he, the one of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For him, his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, but he has made him known. And so in this passage this morning, there's some things that we can continue to observe about who Jesus is. It's, it, it's, it's important to understand that the word became flesh. You know, that's the premise of the Christmas message that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so we have the embodiment, the fullness, the full embodiment of, of who God is when we look at Jesus in the manger. The word became flesh. In verse 15, this is what John's saying. He's saying, look, I'm bearing witness about this. This is he. This is the guy. This is the one I was telling you about. The one that's going to come after me. He ranks before me because he was before me. He was, he's, he's always been in existence. And so John's almost jumping up and down going, this is the guy, this is the guy. And he's pointing to the reality of who Christ is. The word became flesh. And so it's an undeniable fact of our faith that Jesus be God. If Jesus was not God, everything else breaks down. If Jesus is not God, our sins are not forgiven. If Jesus is not God, we don't have the assurance of eternal life. 
If Jesus is not God, and that's what we're teaching, Paul says we're worse, we're leading people astray. Everything revolves around the reality that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And that's why the resurrection is so important. Because Jesus used that to prove that what he was saying was true. And so the reality of our faith is rooted in the identity of who Christ is. He has always existed. Jesus, who has always existed, who is God, who is with God, who is our creator, became flesh. And I almost feel like I, could just, I should just stop right there. Because that's, that's great news. I mean, I can't think of anything greater to know that God loves me, wants a relationship with me, and I can know him through his son. That is outstanding news. I should just stop right there, seriously. I just want to just keep repeating that. Do you, do you get it? You know, my wife says, you know, you repeat yourself way too much. <laughs> you know, I was uh, sitting in the uh, room. Our family celebrated Christmas last, uh, last night, so we got home late. But it was so much fun being with our family. And, and sometimes I repeat myself over and over just because, simply because I'm not heard. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of ladies in my family. We got the guys. We're over on the side now. I got three son-in-laws, and so I'm celebrating that. But you know what? Sometimes I just sit in the room and I'm like, does anybody hear me? And my wife says, oh, we hear you. We're just ignoring you. <laughs> oh, this is my, uh, my, this is my point in life. Sometimes I say things twice just to be funny. She said, uh, I heard you say that. And I said, yeah, I know. I'm just saying it again anyway. But this good news about Jesus, this news that he has always existed, that he is God, that he is with God, and that he is our creator, this is 2,000 year old news. I mean, this is not new. It's not like I'm, it's like, hey, guess what? I mean, I might have just discovered this recently, but this is 2,000 year old news. You know, do you realize, seriously, how few people know this? I mean, what I just shared with you, very few people know. I mean, think about your workplace, your work, your neighbors. I mean, in fact, next week, you know, I want you to invite people. To, did, did you know Jesus was God? And see how people respond. I don't know what your experience has been, but it just conjures up all kinds of questions. In fact, you might be sitting here this morning and thinking, you know, I've been hearing this for a while. Maybe you've got questions about what that is. It, it is foundationally important to understand who Jesus is because he can't be our Lord and Savior unless we have that identity understood. And most people don't know that. Seriously, ask people about that next week. You know, if you have a relationship with Christ, if you have a relationship with Christ and you read your Bible on a daily basis, you are less than 1% of the entire world's population. Think about that for a second. You know, we've gathered together this morning, you know, some, and some are traveling, but think about how many people understand the importance of Christ in their life. They, they understand the importance of coming together and encouraging each other in their faith. I mean, we are a minority. Less than 1% of people have a relationship with Christ and read the Bible routinely from a world perspective. Now, in the United States, it gets a little better. You've got maybe 10% of the you know, population in the United States is estimated that they, they read their Bible frequently. 90% of Americans never pick it up. And the majority of those just don't understand who Jesus is. And so I, sometimes I feel like I just want to keep saying this. Like, <laughs> Pastor Joseph and I um, like to talk to... So it's, pastoral humor. You know, uh, you share a verse and somebody says, you, you taught on that last week. When are you going to stop? When are you going to teach us something new? And it's going to be like, well, when everybody gets it the first time. I mean, seriously, the word became flesh and dwelt among us is, is, is news, not for many of you, because it's like, well, I knew that when I was 10. Well, the majority of people don't know that. And so sometimes it is, we do repeat ourselves, but it's important that we understand and be reminded of how special it is 
the news that we have. You know, he became flesh and he dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. He took up residence among us. And that word for uh, dwelt means to, it, it's to take up residence in the Old Testament. It's reflective of spreading out a tent and, and moving into a tent. I love the camp. Uh, last summer I was setting up uh, a camp out at the Illinois State Beach. First time I'd camped out there. I had a great time. It was really nice. It was really close to the ocean. But I, I put up my tent and, and uh, I was reading my lantern. It was funny because I was reading Exodus. came to the end of Exodus. And that's exactly what happens at the end of Exodus. The, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the, the Lord filled the tabernacle. And so in the book of Exodus, we have the Lord God's people uh, are led out of slavery. They cross the Red Sea. God's going to establish this new relationship with them. And, and he tells them, to, gives them directions to build the tabernacle. And at the very end of Exodus, we see the tabernacle gets built and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It filled the tabernacle. And that's what happened when Jesus took up residence. He he, he dwelt among us. He, he took up residence among us. It was like, it was like this tent of meeting that, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacles. What happened when Jesus came to the earth and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacles. It was so, it was so overwhelming. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I mean, it was just filled with his presence. And that's what happens in verse 14. The word became flesh and it dwelt among us. The glory of the Lord dwelt among us. And it changes us. And we've seen his glory. And when you see that, and when you experience that, it's like there's, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than coming into an encounter with a living God and seeing his glory. And it, it changes who we are. A person with a relationship with Christ is changed. The old is gone, the new has come. We're a new creation. There's something different about us because we have seen his glory. And so what are some of the things that have changed your life? There's all kinds of things that impact us and change the way we think. And some of them are good, some of them are bad. I know that um, cancer will affect how we live our lives. We might have an accident. Um, there's a loss. We have, uh, you know, as Jeff mentioned, sometimes God uses, you know, disasters in our life to get our attention. But, you know, sometimes if we just step back and we think about where God's at work, we can celebrate what he's doing when things are going well. And so what's something good that's happened in your life that you reflect on, back on that's changed the way you think and who you are? Think about your life experiences. You know, for me, when I was younger, I stood behind a, a race motor. <laughs> there's nothing better than the sound of a blown fuel hydro. Nitromethane popping in a motor. <laughs> I love that. I think I've shared that before, actually. You know, my 1968 Chevy Savelle, the first time I took it to the race course, changed my life. You know, high school changed me. You know, my college changed me. Marriage, kids will change you. <laughs> There's all kinds of things that impact and change the way we think and who we are. But how has your relationship with Christ changed you? You know, have you beheld God's glory in a sense that it's like, I am excited about that. You know, seeing the glory of God should change us. When somebody makes a faith commitment, it is exciting. You realize the Bible says the whole of heaven, all of the angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. Every time a person makes a faith commitment, can you imagine all the angels in heaven rejoicing? It's like at a football game. Everybody's yelling loudly. It is exciting when somebody makes a faith commitment or when somebody gets baptized. That is exciting. 
It's a visual representation. It's a tangible reflection of somebody's change on the inside that's coming out for others to be able to evidence and give witness to. It's exciting when people make faith commitments or, or when they get baptized or when they get connected to a small group and they start talking about how God's word, how the things that they're learning and how it's changing them. And so, you know, Bible talks about us being like a big lump of clay and, uh, and he's the potter. And we, we get molded and we get shaped and God's word conforms us and changes us in the image of Christ likeness. And that's exciting. It's exciting to look back and see where God has grown me over the many years that I've been a Christ follower. It's exciting when we celebrate life change. You know, it was exciting to see how many people uh, were bringing in turkey baskets as we think about our ministry and our effectiveness and how we can serve and minister to our community. Those turkey baskets weren't just turkey baskets. It was an opportunity for us to come alongside families and say, hey, look, I know, I hope you're blessed by this. You know, God loves you. We just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We hope you're blessed by this. Or those angels and those stars that have come in, you know, all of our angels and stars got taken off our tree. We've got gifts that are giving to kids that are going to be opening up next week with the, from the perspective of, hey, God loves you. We know Christmas is important and we want you to be able to gift, but the important message in that is, is that God loves you and there's people that care about you and we're the hands and feet of Christ. It's exciting to be able to be a part of what God's doing in that. It's exciting when you watch the kids on Sunday morning running to learn more about God in Kid City. You know, it's exciting to be able to see our worship team and listen to them practice and to be led in worship. It's exciting when you're at the cafe and you're just, you're making coffee and you're talking to people while you're drinking your coffee. It's exciting to be a part of the body of Christ and just be a part of what God's doing in and through our lives. And so there's something that we should be changed. We have seen his glory and it affects the way that we live our lives. It affects everything about who we are. And if seeing God's glory wasn't enough, In verse 16 and 17, from the fullness, we have also received grace upon grace. And so not only do we get to behold God's glory and experience that life change and encourage each other, God just lavishes us with grace. And that's a great thing. I love grace. Grace is just sitting there, you're minding your own business and and you get something. You know, mercy is when you withhold something. You know, mercy is like, hey, you deserve this, and I'm not going to give it to you. Grace is just saying, hey, because of my love for you, I want to I bless you with this. And God just, because of his love for us, just lavishes us this grace upon us. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I continue to learn about myself. I am limited when it comes to uh, patience. I'm stretched uh, when it comes to kindness as we move into next year. I'm really praying through the fruits of the Spirit. I want those to be evident in my life. And, you know, an apple tree does not have to work hard at all making apples. And so many times we get focused on the fruit and we forget about we need to take care of the soil, make sure that there's water and there's sunlight. The fruit is a byproduct. And so sometimes I just wish I wished I was, I was more kind or I wish I was more patient. And, and, and then Scripture, you read passages. I came across you know, last week, I was, I was praying for my enemies. I'm like, ooh, really? That's a big one. You know, but you know what? God is not like that. God lavishes us his grace on. He doesn't have limits to his grace. I've been changed and I'm in a continual process of transformation, becoming more and more like Christ on a daily basis. I have limits, but the good news is this. God does not have limits. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. God lavishes us with grace. But a better translation, a better understanding of what this passage might mean would be that we have, we've received grace and instead we're getting more grace. We've received grace, but we're going to continue to get more grace. We're not getting what we're deserved. We've gotten grace, but he's going to continue to give us 
grace. You know, we've had grace, and instead, we're getting more grace. It's just that there's just grace abounds. We need to read verse 16 in light of verse 17, four. We've received grace upon grace, four. The law was given through me, through Moses. And then grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And there's a tendency sometimes to look at the Old Testament and go, oh, that's the law. Boo, we don't like law. And then we got Jesus, grace. Ah, we got grace now. But that's not the case. There was grace in the Old Testament. The Old Testament experienced grace and we're continuing to experience grace. Old Testament was filled with grace. You get to open the Bible. Chapter one, in the beginning, God created. You're in chapter one, everything's great. You turn the page of chapter two and what happens? Boom, sin it into the world. I mean, you don't even get to the second page of the Bible and we run into a problem. <laughs> but you know what you find when you turn the page again? A solution. I mean, God's grace just abounds through the Old Testament. You know, it's just, it is amazing to me to look at the Old Testament. A lot of times the Old Testament just, it gets a bad rap. There's a lot of law in there, but it is filled with everything that we need to know about who God is and how to have a relationship with him. It's just filled with God's grace. You know what? If I was, (laughs) when I mess something up, I want to start over. It's like I'm working on something. I start over. For me, I like to start over. God didn't start over. You know, he didn't, he didn't give up. You know, I was coloring with Ezra. We were at a Christmas thing, and uh, we're, we're coloring the pages. And, and, he, and he started coloring. He's like, oh, give me a new one. He, he started coloring. He, we're like four sheets into this. I'm like, dude, stick with this. You can get it. You know, we want to give up on people. We give up on each other. We give up on ourselves. Sometimes we just give up. God doesn't do that. He sticks with us. And that's what discipleship's all about as well. You know, you make yourself available for others. It's like, well, they didn't call me back. They didn't answer my email. You know what discipleship is? It's sticking with people until they get it. We don't give up on people. We don't give up on each other. And is it a lot of work? Oh, it is a lot of work. Relationships are a lot of work. But God never gives up on us. And that is great news. He lavishes this grace upon us. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so we've got the good news. We have that law that's important, but we have grace and truth now as reflected in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You know, John three sixteen. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so that's a reality. That's truth. But the grace in that is, is that anyone can come. See, that's the good news about the Christian message, about the good news about the Bible, the good news about Christ is that everyone is welcome. And so it's a person's choice as to whether or not they cross that line of faith. That's a work of the Spirit of God, drawing them into a relationship with Christ. The truth is, is that apart from Christ, we don't have the assurance of heaven. But the good news is this, by placing our faith in him, we have that. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. Bad news. Doesn't matter what you do for God, it's not good enough. And so that's the truth of the matter. Good news, grace, is through faith in Christ that we have the assurance of salvation. And so it's through Christ that we now see this grace and truth coming to bear. The New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament, and we get to celebrate the grace that we have now. We had grace back then. You know, people were saved by their faith in the Old Testament, and we're still saved by our faith today. So we had grace and we still have grace now. We we're continue to receive grace upon grace. And, and God is doing this amazing work and we get to be a part of what he wants to accomplish in this individually, together as the body of Christ. And so then we move into verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God, the one who's at the Father's side, he has made him known. And so no one has seen God. No one has fulfilled the 
the glory and the beauty of the Trinity. I am looking forward to heaven. We did a series on Revelation at the beginning of the year, and I just, it was so fun to be able to get a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's, it's overwhelming what heaven's going to be like. You've got the Father sitting on the throne. You've got the Son sitting at the right hand. You have the Spirit of God that's going out before them, and all of heaven is rejoicing and centered around this throne. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a beautiful image of what heaven's going to be like. And there is nothing that you're going to miss, need, or want. God is going to be able to fulfill all of our desires, our needs, and we're going to be in community with him and one another. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And that's something to look forward to. You know, I, if I'm looking around thinking, you know, if you want to start over, I don't know, I'm ready. I don't know what that means for, you know, for some people that have a relationship with Christ. But we get a glimpse of what God is, is going to look like when we look to heaven. And so we don't know what that looks like right now. We get a glimpse of it as we read through Scripture, but it just falls short. It's hard to explain to someone how beautiful something is just by reading. There's something about our being able to see and touch and feel that is so critically important, which is why it's so important that Jesus came to earth so that we could get a glimpse of just how much God does love us. If you really want to know how much God loves you, then you look towards the cross. You know, the words of Jesus hanging on that cross with his hands nailed and his feet nailed to the cross, looking out amongst those people going, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do is a sign of the love that God has for us. It's a visible, tangible reflection of God's love for us. We have not seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. We know God. We know the Father. We understand who God is when we look at the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And if you're not sure you have a relationship with Christ this morning, that's the Spirit of God that's drawing you into that. You know, John 6, no one comes to the Son unless the Father who has sent, sent him draws him. And so it's a work of Christ when somebody, you know, comes to faith in him, the Spirit is drawing them into him. And so sometimes we think, well, I'm not ready. Well, I don't know. Then what are you holding back on? Don't, don't resist what the Spirit of God is trying to do in your life through his word, through the people that he places around you, through sermons and through messages and reading scripture. God's word is life transforming. When we read it, we're conformed and we're transformed to the image of Christ. And every single one of us is at a different place on their spiritual journey. You know, we're all at different places. I have heard a lot of faith stories. I have never heard a faith story like Jeff's before. Every single one of us have a unique faith story that God uses in the lives of the people that he puts around us. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you've got questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, don't resist the Spirit of God drawing you into a relationship. A, spirit, a life that is filled with hope and assurance. You know, we see that as the reflection of who Christ is. And all of these things that we've been studying through this series and all the things that I've shared with you this morning have been written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is our Savior and he is our Lord. And, and it's a desire to says, hey, I, I want that and I want to submit my life to his will and to his plans. And so these words have been written. We have this so that, so that we might believe in who Jesus is. And if you've already done that, if you place your faith in Christ, that's great news. That's something to celebrate. Remember, the majority of people around you don't have that. And so you've been entrusted with that good news to share with others. And if you do have that, you, you, he's, these things are written so that you can have life and have it to the full. So that we can have an abundant life. 
so that we can encourage one another and so we can live out the lives that God has planned for us. There's something about who we are together as we experience the life that God has for us to the full. All of these things have been written so that some may believe and some may grow in their faith and have life. Jesus is the light of the world. And guess what? So are you. If you have a relationship with Christ, you are the light of the world. Matthew writes, you are like a city that's set up on a hill that can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. If you have a relationship with Christ, this is the time for you to shine. You don't want to hide yourself in the same way you let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, we have been set apart for a purpose. You know, we have been saved by grace through faith in Christ, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the works that God has created in advance for us to do. And so God's got a plan and a purpose for us. And so you either have a relationship with Christ and and God's drawing you into that, or you have one and God's trying to help you grow. You need to grow in your faith. We need to encourage one another to grow in our faith. And I want you to picture yourself as a lighthouse. You know, this is, I'm, I'm going to get a Christmas ball. I think that'd be a great, they probably already have them out there, to be honest with you. You're like a lighthouse. You got that light that's shining in the dark. You know, we talked about the light and the darkness at the beginning of this series. And, and if you have a relationship with Christ, you have been entrusted with the good news about Christ to share with others. And remember, the majority of people around you don't have that. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, we're glad that you're here. We want to help you to understand how to make a faith commitment. We want you to be able to identify with him through baptism. We want to help you get connected and you can grow. And so if you have a relationship with Christ this morning, you're a lighthouse in a season that typically can be confused about what Christmas is and about who God is. So, So it's my prayer for each of us as we move out into this new year that we would understand the fullness of who Christ is and what he's done for us as we seek everything that he has for us together. And so, so what? You know, we're, we're in Christmas right now. Uh, we're moving towards the new year. I would encourage everyone to step back and say, okay, what does this mean for me? You know, what does a relationship with Christ look like? How do you make a faith commitment? You know, if, you, if you're not sure that you've ever made a faith commitment, that we want to encourage you to take that step. And if you have taken that step, we want to help you to get connected to a biblical community that's going to encourage you in your faith as you live out all that God has for you and for us together as the body of Christ. We want to encourage you to make others a priority. You know, that's a, you know, it's, it's the serving. You know, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others. And so how do we serve one another? How do, we, how do we use our gifts? How do we shepherd those as we build up this body of Christ? How do we serve others in our community? What does it mean to serve in our community? It's, it's so exciting to be able to hear, you know, we've got, we've got mentors that work with kids in our elementary school through Kids Hope. We've got, we've got, we've got opportunities to serve uh, families in our community uh, that have been going through brokenness. We, you know, everything that we're doing is to, is to help others to, to serve them so that they can be encouraged in their faith and so we can be effective witnesses. And so what does it mean to serve others? We're getting ready to move into a counter 2022. Um, and so Pastor Matt's going to be closing our series out next week. And on January 2nd, we're kicking off a counter 22. I want to encourage you uh, to be praying about next year. And so we're going to talk more about that in January, but we want everyone at Springbrook to experience the life-transforming power of how to have a relationship with Christ. If you've got any questions about those, I would love the opportunity to talk with you. I hope that you have a wonderful Christmas next week.
We're glad that you are with us, and we look forward to all that God has for us as we prepare for the new year. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the opportunity we have at a time like this to celebrate um, the hope that we have in Christ together. I thank you for the gift of family. Uh, God, I pray that you would comfort and be with those that are um, experiencing loss uh, or experiencing suffering. Um, God, uh, I know that this is also a stressful time of the year for many, and so um, I just pray that uh, for people that are isolated or alone, uh, that they would have a, a, a sense of your presence. God, none of us is alone. I just thank you that uh, through your spirit, um, we can be connected to you and to each other. Uh, God, we look forward to all that you're doing uh, in and through us. We commit our lives to you. We commit this ministry to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.